And uh, I'm really keen to get to know you. would love to hear a bit of your stories. And there's going to be all sorts of ways of connecting in over the coming weeks. So, um, so I hope you feel really at home. And we're looking at this awesome passage today. And this is a passage which, um, actually, I love this passage. And sometimes God speaks through certain passages into your life with real precision at certain points. And this is a passage where God has really uh, surprised me and challenged me over the years. And I want to speak today about cultivate your potential. Uh, Cultivate your potential. Because you have within you the seed, which is the word of God. And, And that seed is a seed of huge potential within you. And, um, but one of the questions we have in life is how do we maximize the potential of the seed which God has sown in our lives? And Jesus says the most important thing is to listen, to take heed, to hear. Because how you listen and who you listen to are two of the most important things about you. How you listen determines what grows in you. Because if you listen well, things, you don't just hear them and then forget about them, but they actually take root in you, they shift your perspective, they kind of inspire you to action actually changes things in your life and the life of those around you. And who you listen to is so important too because there are so many voices, so many influences, so many people talking the whole time, so much information out there. But who are you going to listen to? Because if how you listen determines what grows in you, who you listen to determines who you will become in your life. And if you want to cultivate your petition, potential, we have to listen to Jesus' words in such a way that they might take root in our hearts, transform our minds, and bear much fruit in our lives. And that's what we're looking at today. And the first thing we see in this passage is the importance of keeping your heart soft, keeping your heart soft. Um, Jesus tells this story about a sower. And you will know better than I do, but in the Middle East at that time, if you were a farmer, you wouldn't have lots of fences, you wouldn't have hedges, you wouldn't have walls around your patch. You would just have the earth. And then around the corners and the sides of your patch, uh, people would walk. There'd be paths. Of course, they weren't like concrete paths. They were just where people had got used to walking. And in those places, the earth would have been pressed down quite hard. And so Jesus says, you know, there um, Uh, some seed fell on path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And the reason is it was available to be eaten and not planted in was because it wasn't received into the soil, because the soil was hard. Because if you're a farmer and you're distributing seed, you can't just go out and put like one here, one here, one here. It doesn't work that way. That's, you know, far too time consuming. And if you just try and get it in the right places, you're not going to scatter it very well. You need to get a whole handful. You need to kind of scatter it like that. Sorry, so sorry. And um, scatter it like that. And you're just trying to, you know, scatter it across the whole time. And that way you get quite an even distribution. But the thing is, you can't then uh, know that all the seeds are going to go in the right place. Some of the seed is inevitably going to fall on the edges of your patch. It's going to fall on the hard ground. It's going to fall on what was known as the path. And the seed which falls on the path, I'm just having fun now, Um, the seed which falls on the path uh, doesn't go into the earth, it's not kind of plowed up in the same way, and so it's never going to get in, and it's available either to be trampled on by people or birds will come, there's no birds in the rafters, Um, they won't come down and uh, the birds will come down and just eat it. And so Jesus says the bird that... um, the seed that's fall, that falls on the hard ground, it's got no chance of breaking through the surface, just sits there quickly, and quickly the birds will drop in and eat it up. Jesus says the seed is the word of God. It's the good news about who Jesus is, what he has done, the difference that makes for our lives. And some people are like the path. Though the word is sown in them, it doesn't actually get into them, 
The devil snatches it away. It doesn't actually get into your heart because your heart is hard. And I wonder if you've ever had the experience of your heart becoming hard. And uh, maybe, maybe even you can feel, remember what that felt like or what that feels like now for your heart to be quite hard. And that can happen in a whole number of ways. Sometimes it's just because life is busy, you know, the days are long, the years are short, and you're just trying to get through life this week, next week, the next week. Just don't have time to listen to God. Don't have time to listen to Jesus, what he might be or might not be saying to you. And so your, your kind of heart is hard because you're just so hurried. Sometimes it's because someone upsets you or offends you. And so you, you slightly harden your heart to that person. You close yourself off from them in some way. And, and it's almost like you emotionally close down from that friendship or that relationship. But the thing is, if you harden your heart in one area, it tends to become harder in others as well. And you might be in the same room as the person. There's kind of spatial connection, and you, there's no, it's not like there's a big spatial distance, but there's a relational distance between you. And when you're in that place, your heart is hard, and it's quite hard to hear. Sometimes it's just pride. You know, at times in my life, I've been a bit proud. And I've thought, I don't need to listen to everyone. I know what the right thing is to do. Don't need to listen to the church. Don't need to listen to these Christians. Don't need to listen to all this kind of stuff. I'll work it out. And when I was in my first year at uni, I, I was convinced I knew I can work it out. Church. Bah. You know, I kind of, you know, I just, I know what I need to do. And, um, and actually, I was getting a bit fed up with church and finding it a bit frustrating. So I was just going to bars and going out lots and just actually stopped going to church quite a bit. And then after a while, you know, this really lovely guy in our church reached out to me. He said, Stephen, could we grab a coffee? We grabbed a coffee. He said, I just wanted to reach out to you because I just wanted to check you're okay. I was like, is this how proud I was? I was like, why would I not be okay? He's like, well, you know, I just, I've just, um, you know, you know uh, well, someone said that, you know, maybe you were um, out clubbing quite a bit. And I was like, who? And... Um, <laughs> He was like, oh, well, you know, I, was, it was just, I can't remember who it was. There were just a few of us having a chat about you. And I was like, what, gossiping? And um, he was like, oh, well, no, I don't mean like that. I mean, I mean we, we were praying about you. And I was like, what, gossip praying? Like, what, what is this thing you're doing? And, and I was like, well, you do read your Bible, don't you? I mean, you want me to come to church? He's like, yeah. And I said, like, don't gossip then. He was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And he was just trying to be nice. I was just, my heart was so hard. I wasn't having any of it. And actually, my heart had hardened to such an extent that I could have very easily drifted off and gone my own way and just kind of ignored any person who was trying to help me because my heart was so hard, I wasn't willing to be helped. And what changed was um, a friend of mine, uh, Susie, in the area we grew up, which, you know, we grew up on the edge of this council estate and our church was there. And she said, look, I, I, I know you've had a tough year, but will you come with me because I'm taking like 40, 50 guys from the estate to this Christian like youth festival. I need some help because they're quite difficult. Lots of them aren't Christians, lots of them from quite difficult backgrounds. Will you come and help? I was like, that does not sound like the summer I had planned, Susie. And she's like, no, just come for a week. So I like went for a week. I said, like, it's going to be a nightmare. It was a nightmare. On the first day, we realized someone had smuggled a baseball bat into their bag. That is not what you should take to a Christian youth festival. Like, so that was an idea. And then, and then these, these guys were like, well, you know, people say they're Christians. Let's test them. So they like, wanted to do tests on the Christians at this youth festival, see if they were really Christians. Like one of them went into the middle of a field, got down on his hands and knees, and just started patting the grass like this. And someone came up to him. They said, you're right. He said, I've lost my contact lens. They're like, oh, no. And because it was a Christian festival, everyone wants to be 
like, appeared to do the right thing. So I said, guys, come and help this guy. He's lost his, he's lost his contact lens. There were like five people and then 10 people, like a CSI forensic search across this like, field for a contact lens which wasn't there. He'd never worn contact lenses in his life. Now, by the time he got, he got up, there were like 50 people on their hands and he's searching. I remember seeing them. He got up and he just kind of walked away. No one ever knew who the guy was. There's a guy who's lost a contact lens. Come and help. One night, they, they, they didn't get to bed till three. And then when I finally thought I got them to bed at three, I went to say, I think I can finally go to sleep. And then I heard them creep out until five. It's not nice going to bed at five. I was like, this is a disaster. This is horrible. Why am I doing this? And then that night, I was in one of the sessions. And just as we were worshiping, I felt the Holy Spirit almost start to water my hard heart. And as we worshipped, I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of soften my heart. And for the first time in months, I felt this new love for God. And I suddenly felt this new desire to kind of look after these irritating youth. And, and I kind of, I felt my heart soften in all sorts of ways. The next day, I, wanted, I, I just had this sudden weird desire to read the Bible. It's like my heart was softening and suddenly I, I don't want to miss out what God might want to say to me. And God is always speaking through his words. So it's like, right, I'm going to get a new Bible. Started reading the Bible every day. Always found it really hard to read the Bible. And then suddenly I couldn't read enough of it. I was like, I just want to read more of these stories about Jesus' life and hear God speak to me through them. I had such a hard heart, but the Holy Spirit softened my heart. Maybe that's where you're at today, and we can pray for the Holy Spirit to soften your heart in a bit. Keep your heart soft, and then grow deep roots. Jesus says those, um, some of the seed falls on rocky soil, and what that meant, I just I started, so I'll finish. Um, what that meant is um, some of the seed fell on rocky soil, and uh, rocky soil, it, it's like it, in the Middle East, you'll know that there's, there's some parts which look like good soil, but maybe 12 inches beneath the surface, there's actually a layer of limestone rock. So, you know, and sometimes even closer to the surface than that. So, so the seed goes in, it's planted well, it starts to grow, but then the root can't grow. But the plant is still, will still grow. So what actually happens is it grows very fast above the surface. And it looks like the plant is flourishing and growing very quickly and growing very well. But all of the growth is above the surface. There's no root. So it looks great, but what happens is the second it's a very hot day or there's not enough water, the plant just withers and dies because there's no root. And Jesus said, you know, those on the rocky ground are the ones who at first receive the word with joy, but they have no roots. In the time of testing, they fall away because there's no root. And it's a heartbreaking thing to see. Some people, you know, they start this journey with so much joy and enthusiasm and excitement, but then a bit of opposition comes and it's a bit too hard and there's not enough root to sustain you. And sometimes the opposition is really direct. Maybe it's your friends or your family or your colleagues or your lecturer and they don't like the change they see in you. And, and, and they make it very clear and you feel a bit exposed. You feel a bit vulnerable and you think, ah, oh, this is a bit harder than I thought it was going to be. And you start to face this opposition and it unsettles you. And you start to think, well, maybe, maybe it'd be a bit easier if I just back away quietly from this whole thing. And maybe you've been tempted to do that over the last 18 months. Just, you know, walk away. Don't respond to the text messages. Just duck out. 
Because the opposition is a surprise. And sometimes it's indirect. You know, maybe, you know, you're going along in your faith, it's going quite well, but, you know, a relationship ends unexpectedly, or there's a difficult issue at work, or you're struggling a bit in your studies, or someone criticizes you, or there's a pandemic, and suddenly you feel a bit unsettled. And you don't feel like singing the songs we sing anymore. You think maybe it's easier just to, just to put this whole faith thing on the back burner and step away. And the truth is, Jesus says, when testing comes. He doesn't say if testing comes, or testing may come, or if you're really unlucky, testing will come, or testing comes for those who aren't great with their faith, but for those who are brilliant, it won't come. He says, for every person who receives the word of God, where it's planted in your life, at some stage, a testing is going to come. There's no such thing as an easy life. There just isn't, particularly if you want to make an impact. And when you place your trust in Jesus, it's not as though the battles stop. They don't. Because in some senses, you're stepping onto the field of play in a whole new way, and the enemy wants to take you out. Sometimes it feels like the battles are increasing. But without you realizing it, you might be having a real impact. That's true whether you've just become a Christian. That's true whether you've you know, taken a step of faith recently. That's true whether you've felt stirred to follow Jesus more closely in the season, you started a new habit or something, sometimes it feels that as you do that, there's like pushback. And that's often confirmation you're doing exactly the right thing. But it doesn't feel like it at the time. Maybe you've responded to God's call in an area of your life and you feel like God's calling you to do something. You've, you've made a sacrifice to do that thing. But it feels like you're just hitting barrier after barrier. It's really tempting just to step away. When testing comes, it'll either undermine your faith or it'll refine it. The difference is how resilient your faith is. And resilience is not a question of how strong you look or how well you speak, but how deep your roots go. In the word resilience, it means to spring back, to absorb what is pushed against you and be able to push back even stronger. Why? Because you've got roots. Roots which keep you steady in the storms of life. Roots which enable you to draw on wells of living water when you feel like you're in a desert. That's when what is unseen really counts. Because storms reveal the strength of your roots. And that's why we need to invest in what is invisible. Invest in what is beneath the surface. Because it's not a question of how you start or how you might be doing now. It's a question of how you're going to finish. It's a question of the long term. And that's why it's so important to invest in your roots. You know, sometimes we can, we can be doing the right thing, but we hit a wobble and, and, and we think we've messed it up or we think it's not going well. So easy to kind of check out. So easy to walk away. But it's not about how well you start. These plants were growing very well, but they had no root. When Beth and I um, got engaged when we were really young, actually, we were just 22 and 20, and um, we had literally no idea what we were doing. Um, we hadn't really thought it through. Very unplanned decision. I was playing football um, on a Sunday afternoon and, uh, and then finished playing football. And that afternoon I thought, I think we should get engaged. So I proposed and Beth said yes. And um, I mean, people say to me now, how did you know it was right to get engaged? I said, I don't know, it just happened. Like, you know, they're like, no, but what, what were the pros and cons? I said, I don't know, it just happened. And then I was like, then we were like, oh, we should get, we should get married quite quickly. So we, we thought we'd get married in four months, which apparently is soon. And, um, 
and we had all this stuff to organize. It was all getting quite stressful. And we, I had to do my bar final exams. Beth had to do our final exams. Had a lot going on. And, um, and then I said, remember, I had to ask Beth's dad for his consent. I hadn't done that. So I had to get in a car, drive, ask his consent. Unfortunately, he said yes. On the way back, I crashed the car. I wrote off the car. And then we had to go to, um, we had to, go to marriage prep. We'd forgot about that. So we had to go to marriage prep. We went to marriage prep at Beth's parents' church. Wonderful church in the countryside. This wonderful, slightly elderly vicar. And we drove up there. On the way to marriage prep, we had one of the biggest arguments we've ever had in our life to date. By the time we arrived in the drive of his vicarage, we weren't speaking to each other for marriage prep. We got out, we came in, he sat us down, he said, feels like there's an elephant in the room, are you guys okay? We were like, no, we're not okay. He said, would you like to talk about it? We said, no, we would not. Um, he said, are you sure? You know, it, sometimes it's helpful to talk about something with an impartial person who can help you get through it. And we're both quite strong-willed. We looked at each other, we looked back at him, and we said, we're fine, thank you. And um, the poor guy, he had to do marriage prep for an hour with a couple who weren't speaking to each other. Like, he said, communication's really important. We were like... It's really important you don't let the sun go down in a disagreement. We are like... You know, we came away. He must have been thinking, They're doomed! It's over. You know, the signs weren't good. We were going through a bit of a rough patch. Our engagement was quite tricky. But actually, we had deep roots. And so, you know, all these years later, how many years later? Lots of years later. I love Beth more than ever. After 18 years, I, I love her more than ever. You know, we didn't start that well. But we're going strong now. Why? Because we had deep roots. And you might have thought, well, I've messed it up. It's been a tough 18 months. We, things haven't gone as well as I'd hoped. I kind of, you know, I'm not really going forward in my faith. I'm just about hanging on by my fingertips. You know, that's life. The question is, what are you going to do today that will help you deepen your roots for tomorrow? What are you going to do today that will help you strengthen what's invisible, what's beneath the surface, so you might grow in your faith and be sustained and be resilient for the long term. Not just for a year, but for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years. That in decades to come, when you hit storms, you might say, I've been through this before, I'm going to come through it again because I know the Lord is faithful and I have these disciplines in my life that are going to sustain me. I've got deep roots. Maybe for you, it's like, it's starting to read God's word. Um, just on a daily basis. If you've never done that before, I really encourage you to do it. Just each day to find a way, whatever works well for you, of reading a bit of God's word, the word of God, and asking God to help it land in your heart and in your life. Praying before you read the Bible, God, would you speak to me today through your word? Holy Spirit, I know you inspired these words to be written. Would you take them from these scriptures and apply them to my heart? And I promise you, it will transform your life. I've made that promise once before. I, I once said five weeks before, it's five weeks now, five weeks before Christmas. Do it every day for five weeks between now and Christmas. See what difference it makes. I said that once to a group of people. Five weeks later, on Christmas Eve, I got an email from one of them. He said, hi, Stephen, um, you promised me that this practice would transform my life. It hasn't. He said, um, I have been reading the Bible every day since you asked me to five weeks ago. He said, in fairness, I am experiencing lots more peace in my life. I am sleeping better. I do feel more purpose. I do feel as though God is speaking to me on a daily basis. Um, I do have a clearer sense of guidance. Um, I am getting on better with the other people in my life. 
But I don't think I can say my life's been transformed. <laughs> genuine email. I was like, oh, it's not too bad. I mean, give it another five weeks. See how you go. You know, give the word time. You know, Maybe that's something you want to do. Maybe read a gospel. Just read a chapter a day. Invest in what is unseen. Someone once said, you know, you are who you are on your knees before God. Nothing more, nothing less. Invest in what is invisible. Grow deep roots. And then be wholehearted. The first time I heard this passage, I got to about this point, and I was thinking, this is a great passage. I'm so glad we're doing this passage today. It's of no relevance to me. You know, I didn't feel like I had it. I thought this passage is for, like, you know, people who may be thinking about coming to faith, maybe for new Christians, you know, da, da, da. it wasn't for me. I didn't need to listen to it. I was like, you know, I'll be fine. You know, just check out a little bit, think about other stuff that's going on. And then we got to this bit, and I suddenly got a bit of a shock. Because Jesus talks about seed which is sown, Forgive me, just. Seed which is sown into people's lives and it's received into people's hearts. Just over to Simon there. And um, <laughs> received into people's lives and uh, it grows, it actually grows and it grows a root. And yet it's been sown in amongst weeds. And weeds, as you will know, they grow faster, they block out the sun. They steal the water, they deprive roots of water, and they choke the other plants. And so the seed is literally suffocated. So it will grow, and it's got a bit of a root, but it's never going to bear fruit. It's just having to invest all its energies just to stay alive. Jesus talks about those who are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and so do not mature. In Mark's gospel, he says, the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus' diagnosis of the human heart is like a laser beam. It's so uncomfortable, but it's absolutely true. There are times in my life that I've been choked by worry. You know, sometimes I'm facing a real challenge, and I think, I'll oh, turn my worries into prayers. And then I just end up thinking more about the worries. I'm like, that's not working, I need something else. And what I found is I just have to apply God's word to my worries. I have to say, right, I can't, I can't deal with this on my own. I'm just, and sometimes it's as simple as this. I take a verse of scripture and I just memorize it and I just pray it in my head again and again and again. So maybe I'm facing a real challenge at work and I just pray, Psalm 3.3. You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Going into an exam. You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Going to a difficult meeting. You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. Sometimes it's sleeping. I know lots of us struggle with sleep, but it's been a crazy time for sleep over the last 18 months. What do you do when you wake up at two in the morning and you can't stop thinking about 95 things that you've got to sort in your life? Psalm 143 verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way to go. For to you I entrust my life. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Target your worries with his words. Sometimes all we've got when we're in a storm, when we're in difficulty, when we're facing a challenge, is the power in this book, the power in the scriptures. 
But I tell you, I prefer a few words from his mouth than a thousand words from anyone else. I prefer one of his promises than 10,000 from 10,000 other people who might be powerful and mighty and have influence and wealth, but they don't have the power of his word. Hold on to it. Pitch your tent into it. Root yourself into it. There's power in his words. There's times in my life I've found wealth to be really deceitful. Sometimes it deceives you because you think if I get just enough, then all my problems will go away. I'll never have to worry again. It's not true. Sometimes it deceives you when you are wealthy because it kind of kids you to place all your trust in it. And at times in my life, I started to look to money to solve all my problems. Someone would come to me to a problem. I wouldn't think about praying. I'd think about how can my money fix this problem. Before I even prayed, I was thinking, how can my money fix this? And it affected me. It stopped me bearing fruit. And then as I started to give it away, as I started to invest it in the church, as I started to give it away, it, in a weird way, the money I had left, I was much more content with. Sometimes there's desires for other things like success or prestige or status. They crowd in and become more important than seeing God's word bear fruit in our lives. You see, if you have a divided heart, you'll be easily distracted. And these are things that we all suffer with. And we can't kind of get these weeds out on our own, try as we might. But the antidote is to go after Jesus with all your heart. Because you know, who, gets, who weeds the soil? It's not, it's not the soil. It's not the seed. The one who weeds the soil is the sower. And he is more willing to help than we are to ask. Go after Jesus with your whole heart. Jesus, who doesn't just promise to help you forget your troubles, but is right there with you, ministering to you, walking alongside you, giving you deep peace in the midst of your troubles. Jesus, who doesn't just promise you mere wealth, but gives you the promise of true riches, life in all its fullness, and eternal life. Jesus, who doesn't just promise temporary fulfillment, but it says all your deepest desires will be met in him. And the potential is huge. Each seed, each seed carries within it the potential for exponential growth. I sometimes think it's interesting. Jesus tells this story about sowing the word of God. And I think, isn't it interesting? Jesus is happy to put up with quite a high failure rate. Like if I was, if I was failing 75% of the time, I would be seriously disappointed and downcast. Jesus is, happy. Jesus is not happy, but he just, it's, the reality of life is 75% of the seed that's sown isn't going to bear fruit. But that 25% is going to bear exponential fruit. Each one of those seeds bearing 100-fold. 10,000% from each seed sown that lands and grows and has roots and can bear fruit, has space. Just think what is possible with the potential of the seeds. You know, the seed that's in you, think of how that might shape your life as you listen to God's word and act on it. The lives of those around you, the people around you in your university, you know, your college, your, your workplace, your family, your friendships. Think of the difference those seeds can make. Think of the difference the seeds you sow could make. I mean, we don't often think of that. We think, oh, we're just receiving seeds. But actually, Jesus encourages us, encourages us to be part of this process of sowing seeds into the lives of those around us. You know, when you're having coffee on a Monday morning, sowing the seed. You know, this week, sowing the seed. And it's so exciting to think how those seeds might bear fruit and start a chain reaction in the lives of the people you're speaking to and then in the lives of other people. You'll never meet this side of eternity. 
Imagine the picture. You're, you're in heaven. People come at you. You don't know who I am. But you sowed a seed into life with that person. And they spoke to that person. And then it, it grew into that person. Much fruit. And then this whole family came to faith. And then this happened. And then this happened. And I am the person who encountered Jesus as a result. You have no idea the potential of the seeds that you are sowing in your life or the seed in your life, the potential it might bring. And it's happening right now. I was so struck last week at one of our services. I, a number of people came to faith. I spoke to just three of them. One of them, he said, you know, it's his first time in church. His friends had just said to him, why don't you come to church? He thought, all right. Came along, encountered Jesus. He's got a little Bible he's going to start reading. Second one I spoke to, a midwifery student, whose friend is on the same course as her, just said, Look, why don't you come to church tonight? She's like, all right, why not? Encountered Jesus. She's like, I'm so excited. What, what do I do next? So why didn't you read the Bible with your friend? Third person I spoke to works for a company about 10 minutes away and was working on Sunday afternoon with someone who goes to this church. He's in his 20s. And she just said to him, look, it's your last shift. You've never come to church with me. This is at 5 p.m. Why don't you come now at 6 p.m.? He was like, all right. And he came and responded and prayed a prayer inviting Jesus into his life. Seeds bearing fruit. Don't be discouraged. Maybe you've thrown out some seed and you just feel like nothing's happened. You don't know yet. You don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing with that seed you've sown. But also, just because that hasn't been fruit, don't stop sowing seed. Because the next seed you sow might be the one that bears a hundredfold return. And there are people out there who need to hear who Jesus is. There are people out there who need to have the word of God living in their lives. Be bold. Sow the seed. Pray for God to prepare the ground. And who knows what might happen in our city in our lives, in our walks, in our journeys of faith, and in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you like to stand? And we're going to pray. And I just want to encourage you. Why don't you, um, if you're happy, uh, just, just hold out your hands. Maybe as a sign you'd like to receive something from God today. Maybe um, close your eyes and fix your thoughts on Jesus. And why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart for what the Lord might want to say to you today. Come Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just prodded you about where your heart's become a bit hard and you need to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you water my heart? Would you soften my heart today? Maybe for you, you know your roots actually aren't that deep and this is a day to say, actually, Lord, I want to invest in what's invisible. I want to invest beneath the surface. Holy Spirit, would you prompt me with something I can change or shift to start investing in that place? Maybe you just, you know some of those weeds have been crowding out what's been growing in you and you need to ask Jesus to help clear out some of those weeds.
maybe for you it's boldness to keep sowing the seed and trust that Jesus is even more interested in seeing the fruit than you realize. Come, Holy Spirit.